Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning's sermon text centers on someone called the Anointed One. The Lord would be preparing the way for this Anointed One, this Messiah. The Hebrew word Messiah means Anointed One. And this person would triumph over all the enemies of God and God's people. Now, does that sound like anyone you know? You can say it. You can just shout it out if it sounds like somebody you know. Jesus. Jesus. Well, you're wrong. This morning's sermon is about Cyrus. I'm sorry. You're right. It is ultimately about Jesus. All of my preaching is ultimately about Jesus. But this text in Isaiah talks about a Messiah chosen by God to defeat all of God's enemies for the sake of God's people. And it is the pagan king, Cyrus of Persia. What is going on here? Isaiah prophesied that after Judah's destruction and captivity in Babylon, right? This is like a hundred years off or so. It's going to happen after Isaiah's lifetime. And he's prophesying now in this Old Testament reading from Isaiah 45 that King Cyrus would be anointed by God and powerfully used for the welfare of God's people. And as we just finished singing, all on earth thy scepter claim. All in heaven above adore thee. Infinite thy vast domain, everlasting is thy reign. Now, angel choirs, the apostles' holy train, the white-robed martyrs, the prophets. We're all, I mean, maybe as you're singing that, you're, you're imagining this. Wow. This, this image through the church, the song goes on, from morn to set of sun. You think about that? As the day goes on across time zones, when it's evening for us, it's morning somewhere else. Across the world, the church is always singing. Holy God, we praise thy name. Maybe not in this exact hymn, but the church never stops praising God. And we would think, yeah, the cherubim, the seraphim, we know they're all singing God's universal praises, but what that hymn claims, what the Old Testament lesson holds forth today is that God is in charge even in a world that doesn't know him and that doesn't love him. All on earth thy scepter claim. All means all. God's reign is everlasting. His domain is infinite. There aren't little carve-outs for the United States of America. There aren't little carve-outs for China or for Argentina or for Iran or for anywhere else. God reigns supreme over everything. Now, everyone has a God they think is in charge. We all choose our gods. Dr. Martin Luther explains in the large catechism, what it means to have a God is, is basically to just trust ultimately in something, to look to it for our good, to call upon it in times of trouble, right? That's our catechism focus once again for this month. What do you call out to when things are not going right? What do you look to for protection, for guidance, for hope? 
Now you can see this in world religions all over the place. People have come up with all kinds of ideas for where to find their hope, where to find meaning. And you can even, I mean, you don't even have to be well-versed in world religions. You can just look in the culture that surrounds us. What is our cultural pantheon, you could say? The gods of Western culture in the 21st century. Mm. Self-actualization, self-realization. Do whatever it takes to become your authentic self. Change your relationships. Change your circumstances in life. Change your gender. Change your body. Do whatever it takes so that the true you can come forth. And then, well, that's salvation, right? What are some other ones? We've got say the right things, don't say the wrong things. There is a cultural religion, even among people who would say, I'm not religious. There are ideas of sin. There are ideas about what kinds of sins can be forgiven, what you have to do to atone for sins. In a lot of places, it looks like you lose your job, you're publicly shamed forever, and if you were a CFO at a big company, now you can go work at McDonald's. That's what you do to atone for the sins of saying the wrong kind of thing or having the wrong kind of opinion. The thing about gods and all world religions, false religions like Islam, false religions like Buddhism and Hinduism, everything that sets itself up against Christ and his gospel is that those gods are no help when trouble does come. And neither are our cultural gods of health and wealth and status. Because trouble comes exactly for those things. Trouble comes and demolishes your soul. Trouble comes, this is going to be a short one today. Trouble comes and takes away your health and takes away your wealth. Those things can't help you. With Yahweh, it's the other way around. He chooses our Savior. And for Israel, 2,500 years ago, he chose Cyrus, this unlikely savior, because he worshipped all kinds of pagan idols. He was not one of these ancient kings in, that, um, in the ancient Near East, you could say. He was not one of these brutal kings who was super wicked. In fact, he was actually pretty moderate. But one thing that that meant was that he welcomed the worship of all gods. It was like a big melting pot. Everybody, you all just do your own thing. And in fact, as king, I'm going to do the politically savvy thing. I'm going to worship all of your gods too. And Yahweh says, that's my guy. This is my anointed one. This is my savior. He's not at all a believer in Yahweh. Or maybe he just thinks you can be, yeah, you can, you can believe in Yahweh and you can worship Baal. You can do both these things at the same time. Cyrus is like a, a prototype of Christ. Again, I, when you all said, Jesus, you were right. But right and kind of wrong at the same time, right? Because it's really, Isaiah is firstly talking about Cyrus but through talking about Cyrus as the anointed one who would save God's people, this unlikely savior who would come from not someplace you would think a savior would come from, right? Babylon was the big empire at the time, and Cyrus came from little old Persia. And yet, he has a surprising rise to power, 
and saves God's people. Jesus, the capital M Messiah, the anointed one, he saves all mankind, not just ancient Israel. Cyrus was this moderate, thoughtful ruler who said, you know what? You all can go back to Jerusalem. You can rebuild your city, rebuild the wall. You can read about this in Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And you know what? I am gracious, so I will fund it. You've got money from my empire. Go and rebuild Jerusalem. Go rebuild your temple. Go and uh, have a bit of cultural restoration. Jesus does much more than what Cyrus did. If, if Cyrus seemed unimpressive, though, <laughs> Jesus is even less impressive because Cyrus was born a king, right? He, he was what everyone thought the, the actual Messiah was going to come as, a ruler. And Jesus was born in, as the hymn goes, in a lowly cattle shed. There was no place for his family to even be like at the lowest rung of social hospitality. So they were out in the barn among the animals, and he grew up the son of a construction worker. And yet he is victorious once and for all because the ruler of this world has been disarmed by Jesus' work on the cross for you. His death and his resurrection and his ascension means Satan is now bound. Satan is a dog on a chain. And sometimes that chain seems pretty long. But the reality is, Satan is already defeated. And Christ broke the bars of death, as the hymn says, right? Stanza four. First to break the bars of death, thou hast opened heaven to faith. Cyrus didn't do that. Colossians 1.18 says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, so that he might be the first among many brothers and sisters. Jesus' resurrection isn't just a special thing for him. Jesus' resurrection means yours. And all will know that there is none besides him. As Yahweh says, all the world from east to west will know that there is no other God. Through the actions of Cyrus, saving the people of Israel, letting them go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says, at the name of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us, now God has given him the name above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every what? Every tongue will confess. Every tongue will confess. If not today, if not tomorrow, then on the last day. That there is none besides Jesus who saves God's people, allows them a way to go to the heavenly Jerusalem where the true temple of God is. Our God Yahweh, you can call him, you call him Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you call him the Trinity, really is in charge of this world. And he demonstrated it with Cyrus 2,500 years ago, choosing this pagan ruler to rescue the people 
Let them go back to their homeland, build their temple again, have a hope and a future. Why did he choose the pagan ruler again? You can see this right in your bulletin. It's this nice paragraph right in the middle of this Old Testament reading. Why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name? When you did not know me, it's for the sake of my chosen ones, for the sake of my people. He proved it 2,500 years ago with Cyrus. He proved it 2,000 years ago with Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. And so what that means for you is that now, when bad times come, when good times come, you can greet all of them the same as from the hand of your father who loves you. When the S&P 500 is down at the lowest point in two years, that comes from God. When there is war breaking out across the world, that comes from God. When there's peace across the world, it comes from God. What else does it mean if, if he's the one who creates light and darkness? He's the one who sends bad times and good times. He is the only God. And if you don't know him, that's freaky. If you don't trust that he's for you, if you don't believe that he has sent his son to die for you, to be raised from the dead for you, for your eternal life, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ, even now, in this very moment, is at the right hand of the Father praying for you, that you'd hear me praying for me, that I you know, wouldn't have bricks falling out of my mouth up here in the pulpit, we don't have any comfort. But in fact, if you do believe, then when bad times come, when good times come, you have an anchor for the soul. You have hope. You have a future. The one who sends light, the one who makes the darkness, who sends good and bad times is for you. He loves you. And you know him. So we have much better news this morning than Israel did all those years ago. We have a much better savior than the pagan king Cyrus. We have our Lord Jesus who loves us, who gave himself for us. The peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.